Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Drusilla from Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm really pleased to welcome our guest today, Fiona Mahoney. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good afternoon. And we're talking about reminiscence learning. Uh, and before we move on to that, tell us a bit about yourself and your professional background and what you've done and what's led you into reminiscence learning before we ask what reminiscence learning is. Thank you very much. Um, well, yes, I qualified as an occupational therapist uh, back in the um, early 80s. And um, I've worked in a variety of different um, um, places. So I've I was I worked at uh, Yeovil Hospital when it was Summerlands Hospital. Um, I worked at Musgrove Park, um, and I then set up the Making Life Easier Centre, which is still running today in Taunton. Um, I then we sold that off, um, and my husband kept um, DMA Stairlifts, so he kept that as his company, which he has now sold on and has retired. Um, and um, I left the Making Life Easier. Well, when we sold on the Making Life Easier Centre, I went to work at Stratfield House as an occupational therapist there in Wellington. And from there, I um, decided that I would like to set up a reminiscence room. My grandfather was going to go into a care home. So I started thinking about that. Lovely. So going back to Stratfield House, so that's uh, an inpatient unit, an outpatient unit, or what, tell us what Stratfield House in Wellington is. Um, sadly, it's closed now, um, but it was um, it had residential, um, so it had inpatient and day, a day hospital linked to the Wellington Cottage Hospital. So I worked in both sides as their OT, and I would go out and do their assessments um, and I would also um, set up all the activities that we ran within the the, the whole of the, the centre there, which was great, working in multi multidisciplinary team, obviously. So thank you. So lots of activities you run. And, and what was it that led you towards reminiscence learning particularly? Well, I felt um, when I was working at Stratford House that there was a real need for people to, to use reminiscence for people who had um, memory problems and who had dementia. Um, and my grandfather was moving into a care home, as I just said a minute ago. And I, he sort of said, well, you can have everything you want from the house. And I sort of thought, wow, that's a bit sort of scary, but nice. And um, I didn't really want it to all just go. I didn't want to sell it all. So I thought I could turn the room, the office that we were actually working in at the time, into a 30s, 40s reminiscence room. And so I negotiated with everybody that I had to negotiate with, and we eventually built a new office within the day hospital um, and turned our, our office into a, a reminiscence room and called it the Penny Farthing Reminiscence Room, which I wrote a book about as well. Right. Well, that's great. And what sort of time is this in as regards starting the charity? When did that come about? Okay, so this is 1997. Um, and um, so we, I started to work, um, well, within the reminiscence room, I was getting individuals to come into their, um, into the, into the room and um, we were having small like one-to-one -one sessions or small group sessions. And I realized that actually the staff didn't really understand what reminiscence was all about. So I said to the manager at the time, look, can I actually train the staff? So they said, yes. So I set up a little course and, and sort of started to teach the, 
the staff. And then I said, well, look, this is ridiculous. We've got this amazing facility now within Wellington and in the community. We should be getting the care homes and the day centres in the community to come to see the room. So I then thought, well, I need to train them as well. So I negotiated with Somerset Partnership to work in their training department for two years as a secondment. And sadly, three quarters of the way into it, um, they ran out of money and said they didn't really, they couldn't really continue with it. So I had no choice. I had a choice, really. I either um, just gave up the whole thing that I'd sort of set up and was training uh, people to do, or I set something up myself. So I decided that I would continue with it. It didn't have a name at that time. It was just the reminiscence room, really. Um, and so I left the partnership and set up, um, well, I, I did, initially it wasn't a charity. It was, um, I, I decided to do a course through Somerset's, um, no, it wasn't Somerset Skills and Learning, it was uh, community education then. And um, I said, I'm going to run, run a reminiscence course. And they said, fine. And they, they funded me to do it. But they said, you can't call it reminiscence. You'll have to call it something to do with learning or education. So I said, all right. I'll call the course Reminiscence Learning. And um, then that was, <laughs> that's how it happened, really. And then I, I started to train healthcare professionals and various individuals in Reminiscence. And then everybody started saying, well, hang on, there's more to Reminiscence than just that. What about dementia? What about activities? So those are the three core, core training sessions, really, that we use now, which is Reminiscence, Activities and Dementia Care. Reminiscence, activities and dementia care. And you did mention just a few minutes ago that you'd written a book. Uh, I admire anyone who's written a book. When Was that around this time or earlier? I was going to say I've written a few books, which sounds a little bit up myself and I don't mean that, but I have actually written. Uh, I wrote the book um, as, we was, as we set up the Penny Farthing Reminiscence Centre. I wanted to write down how we'd actually set it up. So it was a bit anecdotal about what... How, how I'd got the stuff from my grandfather's place and, 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 and how we were going to do it. And then I decided to add the second part of the book in it was going to be about how you could set your own room up if you wanted to. So it was sort of an educational book plus a sort of a anecdote side of what had happened. Um, so I wrote that one and then I've written a few to do with the Archie, quite a lot to do with the Archie project and a new one that is just being launched on the 4th of November called Archie's Adventures. Well, we must come to Archie in a minute. So this, so here we are in the early 2000s. You've set up a charity. Uh, you're in Somerset. It's a charity to help Somerset residents. It's uh, got three prongs to it. Tell us, tell us a bit more. Okay. Um, so we started doing training in reminiscence, as I say, activities and dementia. And then um, lots of people were saying, well, it's the activity organisers um, are not recognised for anything at all. They don't, there's no um, qualification out there for us to do. So, well, you know what it's like. I said, okay, well, then we'll get one. So I wrote a course for the National Open College Network, which um, became a level two qualification. And it was called a Creative Activity Therapy Award. And it's, again, they've got three modules, which is um, reminiscence, activity and dementia. Get all three and you become a creative activity therapist. And we now have gone on as well as that. And we've, we do, um, it's called Top Cat. So the um, Opportunity to Progress, Creative Activity Therapy Advanced Award, and that's a level three. So we've got the two qualifications that we run now. And as well as that, lots and lots of different workshops 
um, that we're training in. So um, it could be a toolbox, it could be creative activities, it could be um, life story work, or um, I'm I racking my brains now. Um, it could be um, introduction to reminiscence. You name it, we do it, and we might we write first we bespoke courses as well. That sounds great. And uh, you said Topcat, and I was struggling with that until I realised it was an ap- acronym for the opportunity. Yes, I know. Um, um, but uh, that sort of takes me back and reminisce about uh, cartoons I watched when I was small. I'm sorry, listeners, this is a, this is the generational thing for somebody born in the 1950s. There was a cartoon called Top Cat. Top Cat? Mm, you're going to burst uh, into song. <laughs> Top Cat. No, I'm not. <laughs> Might be better if I didn't. So what exactly is reminiscence? Um, just to nail down the word, what does it mean? Okay, well, reminiscence really is... A definition really of looking it's about it's like nostalgia really it's looking back on things that have just happened but anybody can reminisce so you could reminisce if we all think about reminiscing when we're old or older but actually we're not it's not about that it's about a two-year-old could reminisce about being a baby so you might find a two-year-old would be sucking its thumb and being all very needy um, but maybe that's because they're finding their comfort zone and reminiscence is about finding that that nice place where sometimes, you know, when the, the television comes on and it flicks onto, well, just like you've done just now, flicks onto a cartoon or flicks on and you suddenly have that warm, fuzzy feeling inside where you think, oh, gosh, I remember when I was at school or I remember whenever. So it's, a, it's meant to be a really nice experience. However, it has the flip side to that, which can actually, you could be listening to a piece of music and you're transported back to a time when actually it wasn't such a good time in your life. So the training that we do is all about trying to get people to experience both sides of it, really. And we don't, we don't make people feel uncomfortable, but sometimes it can actually just, you know, you can default to that feeling un- uncomfortable. And we need to learn how to cope with that and with the people that we're working with as well. So what does the training involve and, and how can people get involved with it as well? But what, what does the sorry, what does the training actually encompass? What's what's in the training? What the actual reminiscence training that we do, the introduction to reminiscence, we base it on the five senses, uh, because um sense sensory work is really important for people with memory loss or dementia. And so with the we, what we're doing is um getting them to experience um something. So for example, they, they might with taste, we might get them to taste old-fashioned drinks um, with um, maybe this, maybe their sight. We're getting them to watch an old video uh, with the touch. We're getting to, to handle artefacts. And from that, it creates that little bit of a trigger. So we have a, a website, um, reminiscencelearning.co.uk, which has got all our training on there. Um, so you can actually access that. Or you can contact us at office at reminiscencelearning.co.uk or you can ring us. Um, or come and visit us. So ring us on 6686 in Taunton 01823. Thank you. That's that's really interesting. And just thinking, you mentioned some of the senses. One of the senses that's possibly most evocative for some people is smell. So can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Mm. Well, I mean, it's it seems to be the sense that um, encourages everybody to instantly go back to their childhood I mean, you can pass around something like um, some lavender or um, something like a smell. Like a, Sometimes it's like a polish, a smell that'll take somebody back to their 
their um, maybe their mum polishing the, the the floor or something or Brasso polishing something. Um, you know, if you get if you hand me like Brasso, I am instantly polishing my girl guide badge. That's what that's what it takes me back to, and it's amazing how the how the senses are. Like like smell is really really strong, and it just seems to be the part of the brain that just clicks into those senses. Uh, sorry, those memories and those triggers, um, and we use it a tremendous amount. So um, this is an experience that we're offering people to help them. And is does it help stimulate? Is there any evidence that it helps stimulate brain function? That it helps people cognitively, or that it 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 helps them function better, or is it just a nice thing to experience? Um, it I I to be to be honest, I can't tell you the actual research, but I know just from experience, years and years of experience, that I can get somebody to talk, perhaps who's been mute as good as mute, that something will trigger that person, um, you know, to, to talk. Um, so for example, I had a lady one day, this isn't to do with smell, but this is still to do with senses. We had some memorabilia on the table. Um, of um, it was sort of farming um, artifacts and this particular lady hardly ever spoke at all and um, we all sat around in the room and we were just going to pick it up and pick things up in turn and she picked something up on the table and she just said I used to be a land girl well because she never spoke everybody sort of went whoa and then and then she just literally poured out all this memorabilia you know amazing how very interesting. I was being slightly devil's advocate in asking about the research because if my if our colleague Peter was here, he would ask you what the evidence base was, what he would be able he would be able to quote the evidence base because there is actually a lot of evidence. I know I know there is a lot of evidence, and I'm I should be looking that up and I apologize. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, you mentioned you mentioned land girls. So I remember doing a a, a mental health examination or a, a doll's examination, a deprivation of liberty examination at uh, near Taunton a little while back a couple of years back at Dunkirk House and they had uh, a lot of a lot of second world war memorabilia there is is that anything to do with you or your approach um well i did set up a reminiscence room at dunkirk as well because we started the charity um over at dunkirk mainly um so i was um i was very cheeky i'm a bit cheeky as a person um i went over there uh, just be- just before we set the charity up just before i was literally um coming out of the nhs and I was trying to get a placement for a volunteer to go and work there. And um, I happened to mention to the manager, I said, I'm setting up this charity. I said, I don't suppose you happen to have a spare room I could use just to set it up. And she said, well, actually, I do. So um, I used. I was in one of the um, old offices. And we were there for 10 years. And I set up a full reminiscence room there. And le- And this might excite you. The lady that opened it was Jill Richardson from Crossroads. Do you remember Crossroads? Uh, I just about remember Crossroads. I do, yes. So so she opened it for us, which was amazing. And again, another trigger. I can't make you feel really old because I actually used to listen to Listen With Mother. So the, uh, oh, the was, Bart yeah, Minuet so and Badinery. <laughs> so, so music for me. How, now, so we've, we've talked about um, the, 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 the things, that the, the, the lady, the land girl, and we've talked about smell. How about music? Do you use music at all in this? Massively. Music is a huge, huge part of what we, what we um, 
you know, what we do. And I do know there's a separate the part of the brain that, that does actually seem to recall, um, you know, the musical uh, mu- music as opposed to your speech necessarily. However, we use it. Um, we used to run something called Singing with Friends, which is similar to Singing for the Brain. Um, we used to run that on a Wednesday, but um, since uh, we've gone back after, um, I say gone back, we went right the way through in lockdown, but since we've sort of rescheduled various parts of our um, charity, we now run it on a Friday called Fun Day Friday. It's a community session and it includes singing, dancing, music quizzes, reminiscence, exercise, all those sorts of things. So that runs on a Friday and uh, we have various musicians that come in and we work very closely with Wellington School as well. Lovely. And thinking about music, is it music generally that appeals to lots of people or have you found particular pieces of music work particularly well with with some of our older colleagues or our, our, our parents' generation or, or others? Um, well, I don't think it's just Vera Lynn. You know, it isn't just Vera Lynn. It, it, it really isn't. And we're trying our best. I mean, the war days are not really the times that we are we are focusing on now. What we are focusing on is music generally but we do find I always find something with a good beat something that people can get up and sort of boogie to a bit I'm a great lover of people standing up and dancing not I like you know lots of people say we do chair-based activities no let's get up and boogie because actually that's more uh, yeah it's better for you generally if you are sure your whole well-being um so pieces of music that I used to run a session up in Bristol called music and memories and we used to have professional musicians that came in and um, I, I, there was a guy came in with a violin and he was going to do an hour of playing the violin. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this could be a disaster. And I have never seen anything like it in my life. These people who had probably never really been into classical music, half the music I'd never heard in my life, were transfixed by this guy playing the violin. Um, and, uh, you know, another incident there, which I could tell you about, was um, we had... Just after the royal wedding, um, when Kate and Wills got married, we had uh, the musician who was Claire Jones, who was the royal vi- uh, royal harpist, and she came to do the session, and it was phenomenal. She said to me, "Well, first of all, she said to me, do you know everybody in the room?'" And I said, "Yes. Why?" And she said, "Good, because I'm being I'm being stalked by journalists at the minute." I went, "Okay." So she played the this beautiful violin, uh, sorry, harp music. And one of the things she played was uh, Moon River. And this guy got up and asked his wife to dance. His wife had dementia. And during the song, he burst into tears and the pair of them were just sobbing on the dance floor. And it was, it was like, oh my gosh, what do we do? And Claire stopped playing. And I said, no, carry on. And he, he, she turned around to them and she said, I'm ever so sorry at the end. And he said, no, thank you. That was a piece of music that my wife and I had at our wedding. And we actually hadn't heard that music for a long time. And he'd never, he hadn't danced with her for years. And this had made them so, so close. It was beautiful. And she, but she, that's a typical thing of her not having training and knowing what to do. You know, she thought, I'll stop. And I'm going, no, 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 carry on. And it was honestly, it was just. I want you you want to capture these little pieces. You can see I feel quite emotional about it actually. But um yeah. I think that's an extremely powerful story. That's wonderful. So you must have seen this happen time and again. Absolutely. And it it's just I mean I had a lady once who um we uh, started to play the Charleston music and um 
Anyway, so uh, she walked with a walking frame and the, the Charleston music came on. And I'm not kidding you. She literally threw her walk, her walking aid to one side of the room and she was she was doing the Charleston in the middle of the floor. I mean, all the staff were running around and thinking, my God, she's going to fall. But she didn't. She just did the Charleston. And we were like, whoa. And I mean, normally this woman couldn't walk. Well, you know, in inverted commas, couldn't walk. She suddenly could. She could dance anyway. So it's, um, you know, phenomenal, really. How do we join in on Fun Day Friday? And it sounds as though every day is fun with you, Fiona. Oh, it is. Every day is fun with us. Well, Fun Day Friday, we are a bit limited on numbers because of our size, but we take up to 20 people and you have to book in on a Monday. So you just ring the office um, and book in your place. Um, and then you get a nice piece of homemade cake. We've got a chef that works with us and everything as well for our respite activity sessions on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we've got just come and join us. You know, we have so much fun and it's a lots of laughter. We even do laughter yoga. <laughs> That's great. So lo- lots of different events. Yeah. Yes. So we've even got, we've got respite activity sessions. So people with their, leave their loved ones with us on a Monday, Tuesday and a Wednesday. Um, and they get breakfast and dinner and um, a variety of different activities throughout the whole the whole day. And as you can imagine, we are not just sitting down staring at a wall. We are doing masses of loads and loads of different things. Um, we've also got Forest School, sorry, on Thursdays. So we go up to Otterhead Forest School. We link in with um, some of the children that have um, social and emotional needs up there. And we have people who are a bit more physically well. Um, so they've got memory loss or dementia. And the carers go as well. And we make our own lunch on a fire. We go for walks in the woods. Um, we make nesting boxes and all the furniture for our dementia-friendly garden and all of those sorts of things. And then we've got carers groups that we run on a Tuesday. Um, at the minute, there's Zoom, but every third week we do a, a talk, we go meet in a coffee shop. Um, we've got a dementia-friendly restaurant that's just about to um, come into being again. So a nice, safe space for people and their carers to come to us. Um, we also do, um, we're just about to set up a new session called uh, Together in Sport, linked in with the Cricket Ground. And um, that's for people who are really interested in sports. So it won't just be cricket, it'll be everything else. That'll be starting in January. And then, of course, we do all on, they do the Archie Project, which I can tell you about in a sec. But the events which we're doing, we do everything from um, themed red and yellow days because red and yellow are the last colours to go in the ageing eyes. So we do that once a month, once a year, linked in with Dementia Awareness Week, trip through the decades, multicultural days, fundraising, street fairs, auctions, speakers, you name it, we do it um, to raise funds for our charity. And the biggest one we're doing, can I carry on, is um, in April, uh, next April, which should have been this July, which is our Chrysalis Butterfly Project. We're creating 9,000 handcrafted butterflies working with Go Create, eight different hubs across Somerset, working with uh, making these 9,000 handcrafted butterflies, which represents everybody with dementia in Somerset, having a big installation at Wellington School on the April the 2nd to the 5th, and with four different events. So we've got a dinner, we've got a family fun day, we've got a giant jigsaw, which is um, butterfly moments jigsaw. So butterfly moments being... 30 seconds of engagement for someone with dementia. Um, and we're doing a big three meter by two and a half meter jigsaw, selling out to the businesses to, to get money. And a fun day, a family fun day, music extravaganza, afternoon tea, and Somerset County Council are launching the dementia strategy 
new dementia strategy from then on the Tuesday. Wow, you're. A... And I haven't told you about Archie, but I don't know if we got time. Well, <laughs> I was going to. I was going to ask. So that's fantastic in in in, in Somerset. But Archie, how can people contribute to your organisation? I also want to ask: is there, is there anyone else like you around the country? Are other people taking the ideas up? Well, um, I don't. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be anyone quite as crazy as us. I must admit, and as unique as us. Um, so yeah, I just think we. I got a feeling it's the occupational therapist in me, you know, because it was all about activity, isn't it, really? So, um, but yes, I mean, you know, so shall I tell you about Archie quickly? Yes, just because he's I our mascot. Who, who, just, who or what is Archie? Well, Archie is a scarecrow and he um, he's um, our mascot for Reminiscence Learning. And we were, Reminiscence Learning um, were represented the UK for a project called Remembering Yesterday, Caring Today um, back in 2001. And there were 12 countries involved and we were looking at reminiscence and dementia um, and the link between them. And we were told to have a mascot. So we had, I was leaving the house, suddenly realised I hadn't got a mascot, grabbed the first thing I could find, which was a knitted scarecrow out of my son's toy box, brought it in. And the idea of it is that you have a mascot so that people with dementia always see the same, it's something they can relate to. So it means that if they walk in a room and they're not sure who's in there, they always know that the mascot is there. So he's dressed in red and yellow and um, he um, has, he's very famous now. He's um, got a full project um, called the Archie Project. And he, Angela Rippon is our patron for not Archie, but just reminiscence learning generally and supports us uh, um, very well with all of this. Um, And Archie is, um, the Archie Project is an intergenerational dementia awareness project that links the schools, the primary schools and the care homes. And we did a, uh, ex-university did a um, pilot res- uh, research project with us back in 2011. And they actually realised that um, the project that we did with the schools, which has a book and a workbook and all the other resources that go with it. Um, I think Archie's a whole topic on his own, to be honest. Um, that actually they changed, children changed their stereotypical views of the older person than they did afterwards. And one anecdote, I must say, um, was that I had a little boy who was seven years old at the end of this project. It's a year-long project, about 45 schools that we've done it with now, from Saltash to Norfolk and about to do a pilot up in Bradford and um, Bristol with Hanover Anchor. But this little boy, if this is the best way to end this podcast, I think it is, he said to me, seven years old, um, because I learned about Alzheimer's disease, in the, within the project, I realised that my granddad had got dementia. So we took him to the doctor and I realised that he had, and he went, yes! And I went, oh my gosh, I've created something awful. And he said, no, it's okay. Now that I know um, how, you know, now I know about uh, the symptoms and um, then I can now look after my granddad and I can understand how Archie felt. Because Archie, in the book, if he's not looked after in the community, loses his colour and becomes invisible in the community, if he's looked after in the community, his colour returns and he becomes colourful Archie. What a lovely, lovely story. That's, that's great. And how can people get in touch with your organisation and how can people contribute again, please? OK, um, well, uh, we, we've got a we've got a website. So it's reminiscencelearning.co.uk. We can you can go on Twitter and you can go on Instagram and, we, and we've got a Facebook page as well. 
Um, you, we, you can contact us at office at reminiscencelearning.co.uk or you can phone us on 01823 668676. And if you want to give us a donation, because we're always wanting donations, if I'm allowed to say this, we have a donate page, a donate button on the homepage of our um, website. And we're always doing events. Come and buy a piece of our jigsaw, you know, come and be part of what we're doing with the butterflies or whatever you want to do. We need volunteers. I need a, I need people to help out. And I've got a vacancy at the minute as well. So if anyone Great. is interested and for activities. Written, you've written books. You've written some Archie books. How can people buy them? Um, you can go onto the website. And we're launching. Uh, so we've got books on um, called um, I Can Make a Difference. Please Don't Forget About Me, Late Stage Dementia, End of Life. Um, the Penny Farthing book. There's uh, three Archie books. There's workbooks. And the latest, the latest one. Oh, and there's a Music and Memories one. And the latest one is Archie's Adventures and the Pickles He Got Into. It's 10 10 minute bedtime stories. It's a paperback. Um, it's being launched on the 4th of November and we're linking in with Rumwell Farm, Rumwell Farm Shop. That's absolutely fantastic. So um, it's great to talk to you, Fiona. I think everybody who lives in Somerset will be thinking, gosh, how can we get involved? And anybody who's not in Somerset or who's outside the United Kingdom, please, please, please copy this inspirational story and uh, think about using some of these resources because we all need to cherish our, our, our colleagues, our elderly, our friends, and we look after each other. And I just love the story about the Charleston and the story about the harpist and, and, and Moon River. And at this point, I won't try and break into song. But if my daughter was here, she used to be able to sing Moon River most beautifully in a lovely deep voice like yours, Fiona. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great fun. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. All the very best. Go well. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.